Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are kicking off a brand new series, and who better than two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, welcome back to the podcast. Good morning, Taylor. Good to be here. And y'all, we have a very special guest. The first time, I don't know how it's been this long, but the first time guest, our kids pastor, Scarlett Kiowski. Scarlett, welcome to the Conversations Podcast. Thank you. It is so good to be here. Absolutely. Did you like get any sleep last night or... I was up all night, tossing and turning. Christmas morning. Well, yes. No, it was more like Christmas morning for sure. Right answer, right answer. You ready to get to the podcast? Yes, yes. Okay, we'll jump in. Jose, uh, you kicked off a brand new series looking at promises and looking at covenants in the Bible. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. I normally ask this with every message, but particularly when we kick off a new series, what did you feel like God put on your heart to pick this series? What was maybe some of the behind the scenes thinking behind it? And then what did kind of show you just as you prepare this last few weeks for the Yeah, I'll try to sum that up quickly and say that covenants are a big thing theme throughout the Bible. So God made a covenant with Noah, God made a covenant with Abraham, God made a covenant with Moses, with David, and then ultimately with all the world through Jesus. So those are big promises that he made, and we'll talk about those. But then there are 3,000, over 3,000, some even say 8,000 promises that God makes throughout the Bible. And the point is 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are unfaithful, He remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So this idea that when we look at God's faithfulness, it will actually promote faithfulness in our life towards God. Um, And the hope for this series is that we would focus on those promises. He'll never fail. We sing that often in songs on Sunday morning. Uh, God will always see his promises through. So if we focus on them, if we remember them, then I really think that that will bring about further faithfulness in, in our lives. Let's talk about that verse, kind of the theme verse here, Second Timothy 2.13, and the one you just read here. I, someone listening, they may think, okay, uh, I can understand this concept once, maybe, like when they became a Christian, they're like, okay, God is faithful, I am faithless, but wh- how, what encouragement would y'all have to someone that to continue to believe in this verse and see this verse through your lives? I know both of y'all have been following Christ mm. for a while to where, how, how have you has your uh, view towards the truth in this verse changed or maybe maybe just grown just over the course of, of your life. Yeah, for me, it's been the overwhelming reality that he, he is just this faithful. And I think that the variable there is time because the longer you follow him, um, the, the more you recognize his, his faithfulness. It is a choice to think about his faithfulness versus, you know, you can question, oh, well, if God is faithful, then why did X, Y, and Z happen? And I think that's important to talk about, that the way that we may define faithfulness is not the way that that God is faithful, you know? Um, but yeah, through time in my walk with Jesus, it's overwhelming how how faithful he's been. Yeah, and I see, I can remember life before I knew about God's faithfulness and then life after. And when I started to really see and experience His faithfulness, it transformed me from the inside out. It really enriched my relationship with Him. And the other thing I think about when I think about His faithfulness is it's not about me. Mm-hmm. His faithfulness is His story right. told through me. Mm. And so I am faithless and I have trouble, but that's because it's not about me. And so I can rest in God's grace in that. 
a lot of times on the podcast, we like to take kind of big churchy themes and kind of turn it, make it practical. So what even does God's faithfulness look like? Jose, you alluded to it, that even our definition of faithfulness may be different than, than God's definition of faithfulness. So what, what does it look like? And then even how have y'all recognized his faithfulness just in your lives? Yeah, well, I grew up thinking that if I was faithful, then God would be faithful back to me. So if I obeyed God, then God would bless me. If I did good things, then good things would happen to me. And then I started realizing two things. First, early on, hey, all these bad things are happening. Shouldn't God be more fair? You know, I mean, look at these people. They're doing bad things. And But then the second reality, and this is, I think, growing in um, what happens when we grow in maturity and, and in humility, realize wow, God, God is faithful when I'm unfaithful. Mm-hmm. God chooses to bless me when I am not, you know, obeying him, when, when, when I continually fall short. And that's where you see the power of grace, that it is a, a free gift to the undeserving. So we get what we don't deserve. That's his faithfulness. So forgiveness is one that is super important for us, that he always forgives us for our sins. The more we internalize that and and receive that forgiveness in areas of our life, then that will result in faithfulness back to God. So for me, it's been that switch of if I'm faithful, God is faithful, or God will be faithful, to God is faithful, therefore I, I will be, I will be faithful. Yeah, I think um, if I were to define faith, faithfulness to someone, I would say it's not getting the outcome you want. God's faithfulness is in his perfect plan, and we can trust that and know that he will take care of us. Y'all, that is so good. We'll jump into this first uh, promise that we have here in Genesis in a second. But just even talking about this concept of faithfulness, I'd love to hear just even the role that y'all have seen community and just maybe even those, whether it's family or community group or people God surrounded you with, how, how does the faithfulness or the faith from others impact your ability to see God's faithfulness in others? Hmm. How say that question yeah, one more time? So how how do how has the faith of those around you help maybe carry or sustain you or grow your faith in God and your expectancy and how yeah, it's moving? Yeah, uh, it, it it stands out to other communities. So you see something in a community of faith that responds differently when hard things happen. We move in, right? We 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 move in, and the mystery is that God's faithful through His people. So he shows up through people. And yeah, I, 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 gosh, I'm trying to think of one example. Um, but he shows up that way all the time in my life. Yeah, I, I think that I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for the people who've invested in me and told me their stories of God's faithfulness. I always, um, when I get the opportunity to, to teach in front of a bunch of women, I'll tell them, like, we have a backpack of stories that we carry around with us, and we get the opportunity to pull those out and be reminded, one, of God's faithfulness, but two, God wants to use those backpacks of stories to help others encourage them in their faith. And so it's just a good reminder to be in community so we can share our stories. And when we have experienced it, it's so easy to come alongside someone else um, and appropriately encourage them of God's faithfulness. I love that. I was just thinking of a similar answer, just even in uh, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible in Hebrews 11, or some call it like the hall of faith. And it just walks through the authors sharing how God was faithful just through all of the Old Testament and into the New Testament. 
Testament and the church. And I think about that with community groups sometimes. We'll just be going through kind of some of the questions, and then we get to one where it says, you know, where have you seen God, you know, be faithful in your life? Or where have you seen God work in your life? And I mean, that dominates the rest of the night because people are just sharing story after story. Many things that w- had come up weeks or months or years ago in prayer requests that we're now getting a chance go. to live out together and see. And so I'm totally with you. That that just, it it energizes, it refreshes me and just continues to solidify, okay, God, God knows what he's doing. He really is faithful even when we are faithless. Yeah. The other thing with that, Taylor, before you move on is uh, sometimes there in Hebrews 11 says they didn't even see those promises come to fruition in their own lives. Right. So the idea that the seeds that we plant, the things that we do, to your point, Scarlett, of what you said earlier, doesn't mean that everything's going to go well with us this side of heaven, uh, but we trust that God's plan is good. Mm-hmm. We trust that he's in control. And so being faithful may mean living through difficult, very, very difficult things, but we'll 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 have his faithfulness show up in ways like people surrounding us, like this peace that transcends all understanding, like this comfort that is unlike anything, you know, the comfiest pillow or greatest coping mechanism that you can think this side of heaven. His comfort is way beyond that. That's how he shows up and um, he's faithful. That's so good. Okay, let's jump into one of the promises. In fact, it's the very first promise that God makes, and it's not to Adam or to Eve, but it's actually to Satan, and it just talks about the victory. Uh, Jose, you referenced right away uh, Genesis three fifteen, and just the the victory that Christ has over death and what that means for us. What I know this is the first one, so we're starting here, but what is so significant about just even starting here as the first promise that we look at, hmm. and, and even just practically, what does it look like? like to hold on to the to the power of this verse and the power of this promise? That's a good question, Taylor. If we really think about it and ask ourselves, what, what are we most afraid of? It's all the things that lead us to death. We're afraid of heights because we don't want to fall and die. We're afraid of snakes because we don't want to get bit and die. We'd, we're afraid of these spiders and uh, the dark. We don't know what may happen to us, right? I mean, we're afraid of of losing losing our lives. And so the reality that the first promise that we're given is there is an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and he's been defeated. He doesn't have the final say. Mm-hmm. Jesus crushed his head when he defeated death and rose again. I mean, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. means we'll still have trouble on, on this earth, and he can still damage us, but the final blow doesn't come from his side. It, it came from those that are on Jesus' team. And <laughs> what then shall I fear <laughs> if, if not death, right? And um, so I think it's pretty significant that he started out there. Yeah, I would agree. I I feel like it's the umbrella in which all the other promises come under. So knowing that the victory is His, He's already won, then all those other promises fall into place. Jose, sometimes your messages, you have three points, sometimes you have four. This Sunday, you just had one. And the key to experiencing that victory, tapping into the the victory that that God promises for us is this word. We were just talking about it before we (laughs) recorded, but this this seemingly bad word, this this word of surrender. And that is the key to experiencing the victory behind that. Uh, For someone that's listening, that's like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, I don't want to sign up for that. What... 
we, we shared, you shared different scriptures as far as looking into the power of surrendering, but what does that practically look like as far as whether it's surrendering, surrendering first off our entire lives, but even just particular areas that maybe now that we are believers and we continue to follow Christ, what does it look like to continue to surrender and have a posture of surrender? Yeah. First again, I think we need to realize the counterintuitive nature of victory like how no in no other sport on the battlefield nowhere is victory uh does victory come through surrender it just doesn't work that way normally victory comes through hard work great strategy uh successful fighting you know a a ton of strength and courage and all of those things and and yet for for our faith what we're doing is we're actually laying down our lives. We're denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus, the one who worked for us, the one who died for us, the one who was strong. And so by surrendering, we're then tapping into his strength. We're, we're tapping into that victory uh, mentality of I'm, I am more than a conqueror because, again, if— I don't fear death, then what, what do I have to lose? And the answer is nothing. You have nothing to lose. So it is counterintuitive, but it's so important for us to, to model, to live it out. What does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's an everyday decision, moment by moment. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, uh, your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Mm-hmm. I, I want to operate out of, through your Holy Spirit, not, not my own, you know, uh, strength and and so that that looks different I think in different situations yeah I would agree it's it's very unnatural and um, it is definitely an act of faith it's saying if I go to this hard place if I do give everything up I'm trusting God that you're going to you come go. in and um, take it from here mm. and I can remember different times in my life where like I don't know what this is going to mean when I give this to you, it's going to be uncomfortable. This is all I've known. So I really don't know. It's the unknown and it's scary. Um, but I've also seen once again, God's faithfulness. Yeah. He shows up and he does take it from there. And it, I, when you were preaching on Sunday, your arms went up. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking about that. I can't get that image out of my head, the importance of that posture in our life. Mm. Yeah, we sometimes think that that's just what very spiritual people do during worship, you know, and that's yeah. a, a determining factor of how uh, faithful someone is to God if, if you put your hands up in worship. But the, the reality is that that's a life, life posture. That's right. You know, it's living with our hands lifted high and saying, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes, so I need your strength. And again, the beautiful reality is that when we surrender, that's when we are most powerful. Mm -hmm. That's when we are the strongest. That's when we are filled with joy. When everything else around us says, you you should be complaining. You should be griping about this. You should be pointing fingers. Instead, hands lifted up, say, all right, Jesus, it's all you. It's all you. It's all you. Yeah, there's endless uh, scenarios that we could talk through about how to practically apply this, but maybe we'd just love to center on this concept of decision-making. So as we just practically apply surrendering, how how do y'all apply this when it comes to making decisions? Maybe someone listening is either trying to figure out where to buy, you know, where, where's the next house they're going to buy or what job you know position they should move into or just should they do this or that? We're constantly making decisions. So even just practically, what does that look like in y'all's faith and y'all's walk as far as just to surrender in the decisions that you're making? 
I remember being a young wife who, you know, felt like I needed to plan everything out, um, be in control of all things, and God just worked on me on that, and um, I, I had to learn to let go. I had to learn that I am not in charge, I'm not in control, God knows better than me, and there was years and years of wrestling with that. It was uncomfortable, I did not want to give that up, it's all I knew, but as I did, man, life on this side of surrender is way better. I even was talking to someone the other day, like kind of what our our plan is next, maybe uh, with our house and things like that. And I was like, I don't know. And it is a wonderful place to be. I used to have to have all that figured out, and I don't anymore. And so um, if it does become a place where I begin to wrestle again, I just go to God in prayer and say, you have figured things out before. I know you're going to figure things out again right. for me. There are so many promises that come under that to your point of what you said earlier, Scarlett. One of those is that he's going to provide. When we truly surrender, he's going to provide everything that we need. If he provides for the birds and the lilies, he's going to provide for us. He loves us more. He, Jesus gave his life for his church, for his people, for those that are surrendered to him. So when we do that, we really are coming under the covering of his uh, provision. And I think for me personally, uh, I have seen God be very patient with me. So it's not a full surrender, sell your house. I had that zeal early on where I'm going to go all in, you know, I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to live by faith. And, and that, that can even be a way of us trying to force Mm -hmm. this. And so the, the importance is to just ask God, what does that look like Mm -hmm. right now in the season of life? God, what am I holding onto too tightly that I need to let go of and let you take full control. Uh, He'll show you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He'll convict you. And you'll know because if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Ask people that are around you, hey, I'm wanting to surrender more. Could you help me? Mm -hmm. And, And watch your community group point things that may be uncomfortable, but really, really necessary. Not only that, but once you do that, I I love what you said, Scarlett, there is this freedom. There is so much freedom when we do that. I agree. And I think if I could pinpoint that turning point for me, it was when I realized I don't have as much control as I thought I did. Hmm. When I realized that God was in control and that I didn't have all this control that I thought I did, I was able to then move more into a place of surrender. I I think that about our kids. When I I think about my kids and being a dad to them, uh, I can try really, really, really hard to be the perfect dad Hmm. or... I can surrender <laughs> to God and recognize, and I tell this, uh, I tell this to them, not all the time, but often that they have an imperfect earthly dad, but they have a perfect heavenly father who will never let them down. And my job is to lead them to him, mm-hmm. not to try to be him because I'm not going to. And surrendering that perfection, surrendering all the fears, well, what if my child grows up to be this or that? If I don't do this or if they don't sign up for this sport, they'll never be the athlete. You know, all these things that we can cloud our, 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 our minds with end up in worry. But when we just say, all right, God, they're a gift from you. I give them back to you. Yeah, the day as a parent when I realized that God's faithfulness doesn't stop with me. Like, 
I look at my kids and they're a reflection of all the good things that we are, but also the not so good things, right? Yeah. And instead of getting caught up in worry and fear, I'm reminded that God, in the same way God has been faithful to deal with my sin, He is going to be faithful to deal with their sin. Even if I gave them that yeah. or taught them yeah. that, yeah. you know, God is going to be faithful. And in that, they're going to grow closer to Him. That's it. And that we can rest in that. Yeah, because we want to release them to fly and soar, but we want them to be incredibly, increasingly dependent on God. That's right. Just, just like the journey that we're all on, you know, that never stops. I think about Abraham and Isaac, and I just think about both something y'all both said about letting go, or you, you people can't see your hands, but y'all are both giving this signal of like releasing and letting go. And I think about in my life, just in times of transition, this is even after accepting Christ, this is living with Christ, and yet really wrestling with, okay, God, what do you have for me? What is your plan? Like, I, I think back to times, whether it was college, trying to figure out what that was going to look like, or job, you know, roles and placement and stuff. And I remember the whole time I was asking, okay, God, show me what you want. But then the back of my head, I, or back of my hand, and I'm holding like, you know, onto something like, okay, show me your plan as long as this is happening or show me this plan as long as I can do this, this, and this. And it wasn't until I fully released and put, I think about Abraham putting everything he had, putting his son on the altars, putting all of it, all of it on there that God really gave that peace and that surrender. Yeah. So Jose, something you mentioned even on Sunday, it's not just like surrendering a small little piece, but he's asking for full surrender. It's as far as that we're giving it all to him. So I think that's a big, big piece that God yeah, we, we, we give them, we give them our lives when, when when we say yes to Jesus, we really are surrendering our lives to Him and inviting His Holy Spirit to indwell um, our, our our minds, our, our bodies, our lives. And then it's it's a process. It's a continual process. I wish, I really do wish that it was a once and for all. I remember early on when I started following Jesus, I would pray, Lord, guide me. Like I, I, I want to live fully by faith, live with my eyes closed, put one foot in front of the other. It just doesn't work that way. We have to fall down. We have to run into brick walls. We, we All of those God uses to form us and, and to, again, remind us of his faithfulness when, when we really walk with him. We've been talking so much just even on this podcast, even on Sunday, just about, uh, I almost want to say the positive aspects of, of, of receiving this victory in surrender, but but what, what does this all look like in the hard times and the times where the faith really is being tested when maybe the life circumstances keep getting worse and not getting better? How, how do the truths of this promise really speak into that? outcome and reality. Good news this morning is that we have the professional in the house. Oh, no, <laughs> not at all. I shared a little bit earlier today in staffing that, uh, you know, one of the things that my family deals with on a regular basis are some health issues. And we've, um, you know, faced death multiple times. And, um, you know, I'm not always faithful in my belief, and I don't always trust that God's going to pull through, and I fight those uh, thoughts of fear and worry, um, even though He has been faithful. And one thing I shared is, is and a little bit today already, is that His faithfulness is not in the outcome that we mm-hmm. want all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I've just learned that no matter what's going on, He shows up, mm. and He shows up through people and his presence and prayer and his voice. And so, you know, in the middle of an emergency room when I physically can't pray, I know I have people praying for me. I physically can't take my next step because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, moments later, God shows up 
through nursing staff. And, and so it's a hard thing to answer, but I've just seen time and time again that no matter what we're going through, He is present and He carries us through. And even though it can feel completely miserable and you don't want to be there, He is there. Mm-hmm. Not much more can be said. I think Scarlett, just getting a chance to be a, a small, get a small glimpse of that, not only personally, but just your aspect of ministry. I think something God, I was just thinking about was you have been building on a firm foundation for years, for your decades, for your life. And so it's in those times where that's not the first time you're all of a sudden asking, okay, God, where are you? Or where, where, what does this mean for me? But you have had that rock. So even when you don't have that moment where you can physically pray in that time, you have been praying and seeking God and spending time with him for years and years. And so I think that's Something that's neat that I've seen in both of y'all is just the the developing of that and building upon that firm foundation because that's exactly what that scripture says as far as that when the storms come it will be anchored it'll be solid so it's yeah. not something that can happen overnight in the same way that it doesn't get washed away overnight but it's something that is steady and and sure and truthful yeah Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three in this world we will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world I have you know, conquered death. I, I have given you the victory. And I think that that's another aspect of our faith that allows us to go through very, very difficult times is that this is truly not the end. If we believe in Jesus, we know that when we, whenever God ordains for us to take our final breath, that's not the end. It's actually the beginning. <laughs> this is the shortest amount of time that we will have. Eternity will be a lot longer and it'll be a lot better. So that promise is amazing. Second, uh, First Thessalonians talks about grieving, you know, as those um, that that have hope. It, it's a game changer when we have hope. We mourn differently. We still mourn. Still very sad because our, you know, these minds that we have right now can't comprehend God's eternity, and so it's really difficult for us. But we know in our heart of hearts that it's not final, and that's really comforting. Yeah, I love what you said that um, he is an anchor. Uh, We got married 22 years ago, and at our wedding, we sang the song called Faithful One, and it Mm. says just a little, I'm going to share just a little bit of it. It says, Faithful One, so unchanging, ageless one, you are the rock of peace. Lord of all, I depend on you. I call out to you again and again. I call out to you again and again. Mm -hmm. You are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. And I just, that has been a banner over our family's life and all the sickness that we've dealt with. God has anchored us in his truth and in his faithfulness. And I definitely don't know what we would do without that. Thanks for listening to the Conversations podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.